The contribution of agriculture to the South African economy was highlighted yet again by Finance Minister Enoch Gorongwana in his medium-term budget. Last year, agriculture grew at a rate of 8.3%, and that's second only to mining, which grew at 11.8% on the back of a commodity boom. The resilience of the agricultural sector, particularly animal products and horticulture, is fundamental to the country's goal of food independence. Though the rains were kind to us, there's more to the story than meets the eye. Technology and innovation are playing a crucial role in South Africa's agricultural success. Joining us to discuss this is John Hudson, National Head of Agriculture at Nedbank Commercial Banking. Welcome, John. Tell us a little bit about what farmers have had to contend with over the past year or so and what you feel lies ahead. Yeah, thank you. And it's great to be with you. So the past few years have been volatile. You know, I think that's the, the starting point. And while well, the broader economy, that is, it didn't do that well. So agriculture had two sterling years, you know, 20 and 21 were really good years. And in many ways, that was uh, the shining star. But 2022 has become tricky, and it's almost become trickier by the day. So much so that on the back of the pandemic, the disrupted supply chains, I think the Russia-Ukraine crisis just took it to a new level. And that's where we saw so much more complexity come through, uh, challenges come through. So whether it was rising input costs, whether it was the cost of freight, whether it was continuation of the disrupted supply chains, this impact converged on farmers all at once. So 2022 has been a year of a really tough period in terms of agriculture. And of course, all of that has led to squeezing margins for farmers. So while they had two good years, 2022 became extremely tough. Margins were impacted. And of course, this was not for all farmers, but certain sectors, I suppose, took even more strain than some others. So for example, field crops did okay because prices actually stayed high and we we think they will continue to stay high. But some of the others that you mentioned sort of animal production and also horticulture have had a rough time. And that could be because of foot and mouth disease and so on. And for the citrus guys, you know, that cost of freight has just gone through the roof. And together with all those other factors that I mentioned, margins have been squeezed to the bone. And then, of course, if you look at where we are right now, and if I bring it up to to where we are now, interest rates are starting to, to rise or have been increasing, you know, and we expect that to continue. So, Farmers do take on debt, and we've seen debt increase in the sector over the last few years, and that's because of the expansion in certain sectors like citrus, for example. But that that debt now comes with a cost as these rates, you know, tend to go up. We're seeing that interest, that sort of increasing cost of debt playing out. So it's a tough period. Some good news, however, is that the the forecast for the upcoming summer production season is positive. Again, another uh, wet year, maybe not quite as wet as last year, but certainly it all points to, you know, f- from a field crop point of view and from a crop production point of view that we can look forward to a pretty good year. And that's good from a food security point of view, albeit at higher production cost. Let's talk about uh, innovation and some of the initiatives that farmers are implementing to address these challenges that you've been talking about and how do they remain competitive and ensure food security at the same time? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think this is not the first time we've had this uh, margin squeeze. You know, the margin squeeze has played out for many years. If I look back over time, and and yes, there are times where margins open up and then they squeeze again. But if you look at the long-term trend, there's been a continuation of this margin squeeze. And really what farmers have done, have they've looked to technology in many cases. So 
you know, the likes of precision farming, I think it's just taken off because quite honestly, farmers need to do more with less and the efficiency that that comes with that, you know, so whether you're talking about water efficiency, energy efficiency, improved soil health, etc. We see that playing out where farmers are being much more precise around the efficiency in their farming businesses. So, you know, getting those costs under control, but at the same time also doing more. So pushing in, in terms of yields and pushing in terms of, of how do we get more out of the same natural resources that we have, which quite frankly are really limited. So maybe soil health is a is a good example. And while you might argue this is not necessarily high tech, it really talks to improve soil health, improve carbon levels in soil, looking after the soil, which then in turn gives you far better yields and also the ability to withstand droughts. Now, I've just mentioned that we in a positive weather phase, if you want to call it that, but no doubt climate change is still going to play out and droughts will come down the line. You know, So I think what I'm really saying is that, yes, innovation, I think farmers by nature are, are really good at this because of the challenges they face. But the adoption of technology has really helped them combat that cost price squeeze and that keeps them in the game. So our farmers don't benefit from a high level of state support. And in many ways, I think that has made us really competitive because many of these challenges they've, that they've faced over time, they've had to deal with without state support. So that safety net is, is not there, which I think makes our sector extremely agile and also responsive in terms of how they deal with these challenges. And that's resulted in, I think, from a commercial farming point of view, a strong, strong base for uh, commercial farmers to deal with this type of uncertainty. And that stands them in good stead for the longer term. I mean, one of the things we are reading about, for example, is renewable energy with the ESCOM crisis that we're experiencing at the moment. A lot of farmers, are they implementing renewable energy solutions as a power source for farming? Yeah, certainly. I, you know, renewable energy is, is a big talking point. And so I think what I need to point out when we're looking at whether it's energy or water for that matter is that, you know, this becomes a business risk type of discussion. So if you're talking to a farmer and his energy supply is compromised or his water supply is compromised and he needs to be more efficient with water, it starts to impact his business risk. And that's where I see that the take up of, you know, these uh, smart farming practices is that with farmers, the take up is obviously just gets elevated where there's a direct impact on their business. And really load shedding is a is a perfect example of that because um, and there's multiple points around this security of supply is a big issue. You have to have water to put onto your citrus crops, for example, but you do that through energy and through electricity. And that is critical in many of our farming operations. Timing is everything. And if you're missing out in terms of water application at a critical time in the plant cycle, that can impact yield, for example. So you start to see that this impact of load shedding, a load shedding goes far beyond, you know, just having blackouts. It really impacts the profitability and the long-term sustainability of these businesses. And therefore, the uptake is certainly there. The other point is from a, a cost point of view, you know, I've mentioned that the cost price squeeze is a real problem for farmers. If you're looking to peg one of your major costs, in this case energy, then renewable energy certainly does that. Yes, there's the capex cost at the outset, but over time you're then able to peg one of the major costs in your farming business. 
And that could be the difference, you know, going forward in terms of being able to stay competitive. And so I think renewable energy has a massive application going forward. And from a net bank point of view, what we're looking to do is, is that we've recognized that these key focus areas, water, energy, soil health, etc., are crucial. And therefore, we're looking to support our farmers. And the latest partnership that we are looking at currently is with home energy. And home energy really is a a one-stop shop in terms of renewable energy, you know, from end to end, because farmers are looking to, to banks to add value to address these key risks in their farming businesses. And therefore, the finance we can provide, you know, drives this positive change. And in this case, renewable energy is certainly top of the list. Farming is clearly becoming very complex, and there are a lot of risks. We, you know, we've spoken about the weather, although the weather's been pretty good over the last couple of years, and you've already said we, we should have a pretty good uh, summer season. But just talk about some of these partnerships that are coming to the fore and what Nedbank is doing in this regard. Yeah, I think partnerships is going to be key going forward. And, you know, whether that's public-private, and I'll, I'll speak to that briefly, but also just within the private sector. I, I sense that, and certainly from a Nedbank point of view, we'd like to think that we're really good at lending money, you know, and looking after people's money. But we're not necessarily the expert when it comes to renewable energy or water efficiency, et cetera, and also transformation. I mean, you know, I'll give you one other example there from a transformation point of view where we're forming a partnership as well. So the partners I'm talking about are uh, are partners that we think can bring value to the table. And by partnering with them, it brings solutions to the pain points of farmers. And uh, so certainly if you look at the home energy one, which I've just mentioned, that is targeted at bringing a renewable energy solution to the table and utilizing the strengths of a partner like Home Energy to put a really exciting and innovative solution on the table, which guides farmers through the process of, of putting that in place. You know, And for us, that's key because there's, there's certain things that we probably don't do that well as banks, and therefore, why not look to the experts? If you look at another one in the water space, Agrico is a company that makes center pivot irrigation. Dave, they've been in business for 116 years. Well, we are partnering with them to bring a funding solution for irrigation, and in this case, center pivot irrigation. And again, this talks to water efficiency going forward and so on. So the smart boxes that they apply on their center pivots really starts to talk to that precision farming that I mentioned earlier and the water efficiency and the focus on water efficiency. And um, so that's another example. If I turn to transformation, and I think this is a, a massive challenge for the sector. So whether it's private or public, and whether it's just what can the private sector do to support transformation, there are a lot of like-minded partners that are wanting the same outcome. But sometimes we've been driving this in isolation. And what better to then come together? And this example that I'm going to give is, SA Pels. So SA Pels, which started out in the Western Cape, but are spreading their, their wings around the country, uh, it, they support structuring transformation deals. And so we've uh, said to SA Pels, well, we're going to support you. We're going to capacitate you in terms of funding. We're going to provide funding to capacitate you in doing more of what you're really good at. That's structuring deals, identifying deals, putting them together, bringing them to the bank for finance. So I think that's a really positive development. And I think these type of partnerships certainly stand the sector in good stead and are vital for the country. You know, as we started out, and, and you mentioned the medium-term budget speech, 
Well, there's so much in that uh, which is a, a positive in my view, but much of it requires partnerships to really implement it and bring it to life. And, um, you know, so I think, again, we're looking at the blended finance scheme and all the commercial banks, not only NetBank, are looking to partner with government in this case, where government will bring the grant funding to the table, but the banks will do the rest. And there again, that's a, a very pivotal partnership going forward in terms of land reform and increasing the level of black participation. So I, I think very exciting. And, you know, maybe it's a new area for, for banks and certainly NetBank in terms of partnerships but one that we're really looking forward to. Okay, finally, John, just tell us about NetBank Avo. It's a hell of a good name for an agricultural product. What is it? And explain what does it offer and how does it benefit your clients? Yeah, Avo is, I guess it's a superfood. So, it's, you know, it probably is a, a good choice from a farming point of view. But NetBank Avo is a, a platform. It's an e-commerce platform, but it's a Either you know B two C, which is business to customer, or B two B, which is business to business. So you know the business to business would be a double sided platform, and this allows for transactions to happen in that e commerce uh, world. So what we did notice during COVID, for example, that you know many consumers were looking to buy direct from their supplier, and uh, you know the wine farms would be a really good example. And 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 we have a lot of wine farmers that bank with NetBank, but what they were finding is that for them as well. They needed to reach their customer base directly. And what better way than to do it through AVO or this platform, which then puts buyers and, and sellers in contact, you know. I think it's got a huge potential going forward. And I, I although the pandemic, you could argue, is is over, I see that this trend of, of the shortening of that supply chain and consumers looking to buy direct, you know, from suppliers or farmers, so I see that trend continuing, you know, whether that's local or in an international concept. And and certainly AVA provides that platform for buyers and sellers to connect, not only to sell their goods, but I think going forward, really important for farmers to tell their story and their sort of unique story and what are they producing and what is the quality, um, you know, of their product, et cetera. So I think exciting times, and I certainly see NetBank AVA playing a role in that regard. Exciting times indeed. We're going to leave it there. Thank you very much, John Hudson, for joining us.